Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Rough Em Up. Another edition of Rough Em Up is, in effect, the A-Train Arlington Lane at your service. Joining me, as always, on the program. Hey, he's Mr. Roughneck himself, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't seen him on screen, if you haven't been to the Rough, Roughnecks games, he's a fan of the week, on week one, and he's my co-host. I'm glad to have him on board, as always. Colin Watkins. Colin Great day. Great roughneck day to you, sir. You know, it's always great to uh, come into a new week coming off of a roughnecks win. It's always been like that in our franchise history. Of course, 7-0 and all time after picking up the win against the Arlington Renegades. Now, Arlington, I know you were at the game. I was at the game. We had a scare. There was a scare going into halftime, but <laughs> we got the win. We got the win 23 to 14. There's so much we could talk about with this game. I it was a roller coaster ride. I felt like I was at six flags, you know, with the game. <laughs> uh where do we even start? <laughs> um let's see. Despite the fact that they did get the win, we got to touch a bit on that first half. You know, the first half was probably the most scariest yes. for, for the Roughnecks because on defense, um, got a chance to hear from uh, LaJuan Washington, who had not only forced two fumbles, but also got a receiving touchdown in that first half. And, it, it put the it definitely put the roughnecks on their heels. Yeah, so you know, it was it was quite interesting for sure. Those two fumbles, but I believe it was Will Likely, correct? He had yeah. both of the fumbles. It just felt like we couldn't hold on to the ball. We literally couldn't. If A we, seventy-five degree weather day, and <laughs> we can hold on to the ball. It was perfect conditions. You know, it's not like we're playing in Las Vegas. You know, it was great conditions, but you know, the 23 to 14 score, if we, if we didn't have those two fumbles, I think the game would have been a lot more lopsided in my opinion. We'd have had a few more scores, but, um, I don't don't know, man, that, that Arlington team was pretty rough, you know, and they, they definitely came with heat. They definitely came with, uh, a knack to try and, and uh, shut down a bit of Brandon Silver's, you know, get him uh, errant throws. Granted, he was 14 of 28, 173, and two touchdowns, no picks. So, that you know, they, he was making smarter throws. You know, there was some that wasn't so hot, but some of the throws that he was making were on were connecting mm-hmm. and was able to get two touchdowns out of it. Yeah, and even going into this uh, week two on our first episode of the Rough em Up podcast, or I was – yeah, going into week two, we talked about, you know, Brandon Silvers. I believe he threw two interceptions against the Guardians, and there's some pretty bad interceptions too, and that was sort of the big thing we said. He has to clean up those sort of bad interception-level throws, and he did, so that's great improvement. And now, Arlington, you were at the press conference after the game, mm-hmm. and I was able to tune in on it on uh, Instagram a little bit, but what were your thoughts I believe it was Nick Holly, Coach Wade Phillips, and Brandon Silvers. What was the vibe that they gave off after the game? Well, I would say this. Brandon was reserved, uh, you know, happy about the win, which was it's always great, but more reserved. I saw uh, an exuberance 
from uh, Nick Holly and uh, Wade Phillips came in with energy, but he was he was more you know uh, just letting it be known of how you know the game was you know being perceived and and how the energy was coming out. So he was exuberant himself too. So that was that was good seeing that that nucleus together and you know the energy that they brought to the table one being reserved and another so a, a nice little balanced mix uh after a win and you said that's how we're gonna you know that's pretty much how we're gonna be after wins is exuberant and then we got the balance you know and then we got the reservedness so you know a mixture of both and uh you know it's it's excellent to see that this team is already on the winning side and uh they got a big test coming up for them in week three. <laughs> yeah, uh, about that. We'll we'll talk about the preview of the week three matchup here in a bit. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm real nervous <laughs> about it. But before we talk about that, let's talk about some more good stuff. Yes. So you were talking about Wade Phillips, and this is sort of one thing I noticed, and even going back and re-watching the game, going into halftime, Wade Phillips, he did not lose hope for the team at all. And that sort of, you know, attitude, I think, carried over into the team. Even though they were down, they weren't put in a situation like this all season yet. They were down. But if you look at, you know, the halftime footage, the team they were confident. They were willing to play their own game. They were willing to get rid of those turnovers, and they knew they were going to win the game. And... You compare that to what we saw in Orlando this week with Coach Buckley. It's two sides of the coin. You know, I think the Wade Phillips experience was shown this past weekend. Even though we're down, we had the turnovers. It was a rough first half. That experience came through and... We won because of it. I'm a firm believer in that. You know, we held Arlington scoreless in the first. And then the second half of the game, they didn't score. They did exactly. not score the entire rest of the game after halftime. And I think that all goes to Coach Wade Phillips. All goes to Wade Phillips. Yeah, no no question about it that one of the biggest things was making sure that the defense was taking care of business. And despite the fact that they gave up two touchdowns to uh, from Drew Plitt and uh, in the first half, they still were able to get him get to the quarterback. Got three first half sacks, you know, and uh, and only allowed ninety three yards out of it. So, I mean, that is the main thing when it comes to this defense is getting to the quarterback and able to put pressure on the quarterback and uh, to deny deny the ball from the, on those receivers. You know, they were able to do that in the second half. Like you said, they didn't score. Mm -hmm. So it was, a, it was a pleasant, pleasant, pleasantries, I should say, at this point. There's nothing but pleasantries in that second half. It was a beautiful second half. And, two, we picked up two interceptions. So I think that's four on the season now. I think we picked up two in week one against Orlando. So we're getting the sacks. We're getting the interceptions you know, I think us and D.C. right now no doubt have the best defense in the league. Um, now, I'm curious your thoughts on this, too, because you were talking about Brandon Silver. Some of his throws were a little a little wide and stuff. He struggled a little bit. Uh, Cole McDonald, you know, he didn't really – he had that one pass 
where he sort of overthrew his guy. It would have been a beautiful touchdown. But seven carries for 39 yards. Are you liking this more running role that the Roughnecks are putting um, Cole McDonald into? <sighs> if, if I'm looking at because I'm looking at other teams around the league, DC uh, when they played against Vegas, they were very deceptive. It's like with the Roughnecks when you see Cole McDonald get into the game, it's not a deception. You know what he's there needs to. Yeah, you know he's gonna either you know he's gonna take off running. So if you're bringing in Cole McDonald into the game, I'm hoping that the coaching staff on the Roughnecks checks out the DC defenders and try to figure out some type of way to make that be uh, utilized. But the difference is the defenders has two running quarterbacks, whereas the Roughnecks just has the only one with Cole McDonald. But still, you have to you have to start utilizing the rushing attack. You need to get Max Borgie more involved. Even though he had a, a rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter, you still need to get more, give him the ball more because you're not they're not expecting it. You know, so or even right now, since offensive line play is not the best, you know, they're trying to figure out ways to make it utilize more in the air than they do on the ground. But you're going to have to use the ground game at some point during the during the season. So. So you can mix up both and have a balance. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that is be you know portrayed as as we get into week three and and when they're match up against the Browns. Yeah, and to talk about Max Borgie and stuff, you know, we have the talent for the running game. I love watching Max. You know that touchdown that he had. That was going to be a touchdown, whether it was in the end zone or on the 40-yard line, you know. Mm-hmm. I, he's so much talent. He had, he's just so much fun to watch. Uh, and talk about the receiving core, too. Uh, Deontay, Deontay Burnett didn't see what we saw week one. But I believe in a earlier podcast, Arlington, you said that this team is definitely going to be spreading the wealth more. And we saw that this game. Ben Putman, who I actually watched back in the spring league, and I believe 2021, he was with the linemen at the time with Ryan Willis at quarterback, St. Arlington, I know St. Louis, yeah, (laughs) Ryan Willis. But uh, yeah, so Ben Putman, week one, he had one reception for seven yards, but week two, four receptions for 65 yards. But for Deontay Burnett, it was sort of a flip script. Week one, he had eight receptions for – I believe 90 yards and week two, he only had one reception for four yards. So, you know, what we're seeing, I'm liking it so far. This team is spreading the wealth. Whoever is open, just go for it. I feel like the 2020 team, Cam Phillips would have already had six touchdowns by now, but this team is spreading the wealth a lot more. What are you thinking about it? You know, when it comes to, uh, what Brandon Silvers is doing, I like it. Um, what's funny is in the second half, he almost threw a red zone interception, but it was called back. It was a penalty against uh the Renegades. So a lot of people were sitting back thinking, I was like, all right, here we go again. You know, we're getting the same old deal from last week from Brandon Silvers, but not so much. He did have some, like I said, really errant passes, but he's able to utilize different people, Ben Putman. Dante Kirkland, his name was uh, said once again. Mm-hmm. Max Borgi, Cedric Bird, those are guys that are able to uh, that he's able to find. And r- right now, 
he's taking what the defense is giving. And so, you know, like you said before, 14 to 28, buck 73, two touchdowns. Not a bad game because he didn't have any picks, you know, but, you know, it was it was okay. But I, I know when you get into this matchup against San Antonio, it's going to be a woo, it's going to be something. I, I wonder how AJ Smith is going to open up that offense when it gets to going against the San Antonio defense. Mm-hmm. And so now going into just week three, let's let's rip the band aid off and let's talk about week three. The Brahmas, of course, coming off of a great game against the Orlando Guardians in Orlando. You know, and they should have won week one, too. Technically, I'm looking at this matchup. It's pretty much a 2-0 and team against a 2-0 and team. <laughs> you got to finish, though. You got to finish. You That's finish right. You, you have to finish. And, you know, I think this is I, – I was telling it to you uh, before we started recording Arlington. Between 2020 and this year so far – I believe this San Antonio game next Sunday is going to be the hardest matchup that the Roughnecks have had to play between 2020 and 2023. I think the San Antonio team, I'm liking them. Jack Cohen, three touchdowns, 165 yards, no interceptions. He looked really good against Orlando, and he looked even solid. Uh, again, it was his, he's a rookie, technically. You know, in week one against the Battlehawks, that was his first professional game. So we can't really talk too much about that. But Arlington, I want you to tell all the fans the wide receiver situation for San Antonio. They added a big name, Dan Williams. Dan Williams, baby. Ah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Uh, if you remember seeing him with the uh, the Tampa Bay Vipers back in 2020, he was a valuable asset to that to that team. And and if you bring it to a core such as with Elise Mack, because he led the way for San Antonio's past week with 48 yards and a touchdown and four receptions. I mean, look, now he has another weapon, and so it's going to be up to that secondary. Uh, and how Jack Cone uh, looks at Dan Williams, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty sure these guys that they're going against, they're going to get an understanding of who Dan Williams is. So if they double him, you got to be ready for whoever else Jack Cone is looking at. Because if Heinz Ward knows what's good with him, you look at Dan Williams as option number one. Yep. Or better yet, you can look at at least a Mac as option one, Dan Williams number two to kind of throw off the defense. Mm-hmm. So – Dan Williams is a great pickup, and yeah. Woo, that's going to be a battle, and I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and for those, you know, just to put things in perspective, for those who don't, you know, remember Dan Williams or haven't really heard about Dan Williams, there was only one other guy in 2020, the XFL in 2020, that beat him in receiving yards, and that's our guy, Cam Phillips. So yeah. that's pretty good. You know, Cam Phillips was another level, but Dan Williams was right there. And he was with a, a rough Tampa Bay team, too. Yeah. Jack Cohen is definitely a lot better than Taylor Cornelius was <laughs> back in 2020. So I am really nervous about that. But And, too, I also wanted to talk about this. The San Antonio running game. Week one, they ran the ball a lot more and 
due to that a lot better than they did in week two. But week two, we saw a better passing game. Arlington, what do you think we're going to see? Are we going to be seeing more passing? Or are they going to go to that running game a bit more? If they if they know what's good for them, they'll try to utilize the running game more because you got to remember that the Roughnecks like to get to the quarterback. Five sacks in the game this past week. And, uh, and they, they did get an interception in the game. So they're going to be looking for Jack to make a mistake, you know, something that, you know, not not normally what he was able to do on last week. Uh, missed only, only had eight incompletions. So they're going to be looking for the mistakes. And then it's going to be up to the front seven to get to that quarterback, you know, and they're able to do it. Our guy Trent Harris didn't get a sack on last week, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because even though he still leads right now, the he leads the league in sacks, five sacks from other guys, especially uh, John Docker, who was able to get a yes. um, a strip sack. So there are other guys that can get to a quarterback, and that's what's going to be the case, especially for that offensive line. Of course, that's like I told you told you guys before. Offensive line play is not going to be the best. However, it's going to improve as weeks progress. It's going to be interesting to see if they still, if there will be an improvement on both sides. So in this case, for the Roughnecks defense, is getting to the quarterback. If they can get to Jack Cohen, it's going to be a long day for the Brahmas. And now on the Brahmas defense and the Houston offense, I know you said you want to see more of the running game, but how do you think those two are going to match up? You know, I'm thinking... You know, Orlando, given that they did have a few turnovers and stuff, they were still able to put up 14 points on the San Antonio defense. And and that's Orlando we're talking about. They don't have a quarterback, in my opinion. And they're still able to put up some pretty good passing numbers. How do you think that's going to fare with now Houston going against San Antonio? I look at it as for, it's going to be a dogfight. And anybody that's doing on the bet, on the betting, you almost going to have to take the over in this matchup. Whatever that the line is staked as, you're going to have to take the over. Uh, because it may not start in the first half. Second half is when all the real good stuff started happening. And if offenses are clicking, points are going to be – we have a lot of points on the board. And I hope I we have wait. a shootout, a Texas shootout. I, can't, I, can't wait. I, can't, I really cannot stress enough how much I'm waiting to see this game. Like, I'm getting more and more excited, and it's a couple days away, mm-hmm. three days away. So that's the game I'm, uh, like, literally looking forward to seeing. Of course, there's going to be a battle of two and O's happening, too. Over in D.C. But uh, I'm there in D.C. So it's still Texas, it's still Texas teams going at it and Texas, they, they take it serious. And so, you know, these two teams could be the top teams in the South division. Yeah. I think that right now, as it looks, I think they will more than likely. I think it will be definitely Arlington will be in the, in the mix, but uh, right now, San Antonio and Houston, in my opinion, are the best teams in the South Division. So it really is battle of two heavyweights 
this early on in the season. Now, we may be looking back at this podcast week seven or eight and saying, what were we thinking? You know, <laughs> what were we thinking hyping up either of these teams? But as of right now, for those who are watching uh, this t- this game, like Arlington said, you will not want to miss this. There's a lot riding on this game for multiple reasons, not only just for position in the standings, but also a lot of pride on the table for both of these teams. But look statistically and looking at the strengths of these teams, it should be evenly, pretty evenly matched. So before we end this, Arlington, what are your predictions? You don't even need to give a score prediction, but who do you think has the upper hand? 30 points, yeah, uh, San Antonio got last week, but that was on Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see how they can do that on a Houston defense. Uh, Houston scored, I think it was, 23 points on the Arlington defense, right? It's, it's going to be a battle between, like you said, it's going to be between the Houston defense and San Antonio offense and what how Houston offense can handle that San Antonio defense right now, okay? And – do the sil- the Silvers utilize the receiver core again, or is he going to try and start making one person the primary guy and start getting the ball to him? That's going to be the thing. I got Houston in a close one over San Antonio. Well, it's going to be close. <laughs> yeah, it it's is going to be close. Be close. And, uh, yeah, I uh, I got Houston over San Antonio. Uh this week, I don't think Houston loses it at home. But let's keep things into perspective. A Houston loss and an Arlington win gets a three-way tie from the South. Yeah, things will be pretty tight mind. then. And they they could – more than likely, Arlington has a very good chance of winning this week too, um, going against Orlando in Arlington. So Arlington more than likely, if they play their cards right, would pick up a win. Uh, but Arlington, I have the same sort of exact thoughts on it. I think it'll be a close matchup. I am nervous that Houston will pick up their first loss, but it'd be stupid to not pick the Roughnecks. You know, I think they have. It'd be stupid not to. They look like one of the most complete teams in the league. They're at home, based on what we've seen. Again, like I said, they're one of the best teams in the league as of right now. So I think it would be stupid to go against them. And this, is, this isn't this is even the fan and me talking. Of course, the fan and me is going to say that we're going to go undefeated the whole season. But, right. you know, looking at it purely as in an analysis view, I think it would be stupid to go against Houston. But like you said, it's going to be close. And I can't wait to be there to experience it. Me, me either, because I'm thinking right now at this point, uh, they won't get their first loss probably to look at it now because they got Orlando again, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Or, excuse me, they have Orlando the following week. Yeah, they got them again. I, as I said, right the first time. So I'm thinking at this point, they probably won't get their first loss to maybe week five. Who are they playing week five? Maybe week five. Seattle. Seattle's going to be angry, okay? I'm telling you this now. Yeah. Seattle's going to be angry. Yeah. And I mean, that's I, you know, reasonable. I'm like, I'd rather them get it on the road than get it at home. Mm-hmm. Let, let them be undefeated at home, get their first loss on the road. So that way they, they, they get it. Everybody can get the rust, you know, 
get the shakes and, and not be so into the pressure, the, the pressure of potentially, you know, going undefeated. Because that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure to be on Ooh, every is. single game. It is. Every game you gotta you gotta handle like, hey, this could be our first loss, y'all. Could be. You're not thinking that, but you like at the same time, it's in the back of your head. It's yep. there. It's there. Oh, yeah. It's there. So it can potentially happen, but I don't think it's going to happen this week. Well, again, this Sunday, I believe we're the last game of the XFL Week 3 schedule. San Antonio Ramos versus the Houston Roughnecks should be a good game, but – I believe that's all we have here. We are approaching that mark where we normally are. Arlington, do you have anything to say to anyone before we send it off here? Hey, uh, coming up, we're going to have some great guests coming on the show. And mm-hmm. so I want you to tune in and uh, I can't wait. Make sure you follow me at the A-Train Show. Uh, make sure you follow X Fan Legion on Twitter too. Make sure you follow this show on YouTube. Oh, for sure. Make sure... You know, it'll be in the description. We have all of the Twitters. Um, we recently made a Twitter for this podcast, so we'll be on that too. But make sure you subscribe because we're going to be every single week covering the Houston Roughnecks. We are the number one spot for everything Houston Roughnecks on YouTube. My name is Cullen Watkins, and I'm here with A-Train himself. We will see y'all next week. And remember, rough them up, baby. Let's do it. That's right. Go rough next.